From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and Jeff Bookbinder on the line. Now, Jeff, last week we had our focus event. It's our annual event. We have you know over 16,000 advisors and, you know, we invite them all to this event. Normally in person, we'll have maybe four or 5,000 come with another couple thousand sponsors. Clearly this year, we did not have um, everyone in person like we have in the past, but it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, just we're not going to spend too much time on focus here, but what were your takeaways from the event last week? You survived. I guess we survived yeah. it, right? <laughs> it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought we might get overwhelmed by, you know, doubling the, the number of attendees, but, uh, it was it was manageable, I guess. Mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised by how many advisors, you know, asked about putting new money to work. Obviously, stock yeah. market at new highs, and uh, that's making some people feel uncomfortable. So we got a fair amount of that. But I was a little surprised that so many people asked about where in the equity market to invest. You know, we get a lot of sector questions, a lot of asset class questions, even some bond questions. So it was, um, you know, pretty. Uh, pretty varied across the board. Um, and, and I guess that suggests that people are putting money to work here. Yeah, exactly. I think it was a good promo for you and I who said, well, you know, Jeff and Ryan have a podcast. Go listen to the LPL Marcus Sinnels podcast. We talk about some of those things in there. You know, we had Jerome Powell and Madeline Albright. Madeline Albright said, I mean, it was a wonderful um, back and forth conversation uh, that we had at Focus, but she made the, Madeline Albert made the comment, and I'm going to paraphrase it, call my memory here, but along the lines of she always made her decisions based on what someone might say about her at her eulogy. And you think about that, that was pretty powerful, just the, 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 I thought those comments, and then Colin Powell made, again, paraphrasing Colin Powell, he said something along the lines of he always just gave his opinion. He always told the truth. If someone asked him something, he gave the truth. And he said, a lot of times I might have got him in trouble because he, he knew, you know, working with heads of state and presidents, sometimes if you tell the truth or you're just blunt in how you see something, that might not be the best way to go. I mean, it is politics. It is a business. But those two takeaways for me, I thought were really, really powerful. And those were two of the big speakers that we had um, at Focus just last week. So Jeff, let's maybe move forward um, to this week. And this week's a weekly, or, sorry, LPL Market Signals podcast. Go take a look at new highs. They finally happened. The S&P 500 hit new highs uh, last week for the first time since February. We'll talk about some of those things. Also, in our weekly market commentary this week with the Democratic Convention last week, we're going to take a look at kind of what does a potential Joe Biden victory uh, and move to the White House mean for the, for stocks and the economy. And next week, we're going to do that should President Trump win again. But the, we're going to focus more on the democratic side of things this week and then we'll probably talk about some other fun things like a volvo update i know people have been asking about that and oh there's a volvo update but we're going to finish it up with what scares us actually i think volvo scares me actually after the distress this is the mess my car has been but anyway we're going to talk about kind of what scares us here with stocks uh honestly literally as we're recording flirting with new all-time highs so jeff new all-time highs maybe before we do that though we are recording this a couple hours later than normal zoom this morning wasn't working I mean, Jeff, do you have any theories as to why that might have been on a Monday at the end of August, why Zoom wasn't working today, you think? Well, I think uh, the start of school might be part of it. Um, But, you know, here's a conspiracy theory. Maybe Zoom did that on purpose just to generate buzz, make us, you know, feel like we can never uh, live without it. 
It, it did because we're recording this podcast, I guess, well, about four hours later than normal. Jeff and I and other members of the team, we do a morning call every day with our advisors. So for those of our advisors that are listening, we're sorry for not having a morning call Monday morning. Go blame Zoom. And I actually, you know, this is no way a recommendation. Got to be very clear, not a recommendation. But I said, what's Zoom stock doing? You know, I mean, sure enough, Zoom stock was up this morning. So clearly <laughs> that didn't have much effect at all uh, with their stock. But Zoom is up back and running. So Jeff, let's go now to the idea that we finally hit new highs you know we went about five months or so without new all-time highs from february 19th until just last week when the s p finally got there now let's be honest the nasdaq and nasdaq 100 have been making new highs it feels like just about every single day for quite a while now uh, but we finally got there and you know like like you said the number one question i think we got from a lot of our advisors at focus last week was okay we're there great you know a lot of my people missed it people were scared in march they sold do you think we have more to go here i think is my first question and i'll kind of chime in and we'll just go back and forth on new highs yeah well amazing how fast we got back there um, yes. a little over five months right we this typically takes a year or more in fact you know back in in april i thought it would take uh a year or more to be perfectly yeah. honest but uh you know, a combination of massive stimulus, uh, really, really quick response and aggressive uh, response by the Fed and, and federal government uh, to replace the lost income, make sure the credit markets were functioning as normal, uh, just uh, and the unemployment benefits, right, supplementing folks' income. It, it was really um, uh, remarkable uh, just how, how fast we got back there. And, you know, you've done a lot of work on this, Ryan. A lot of people think, oh, because we're so high that um, they should sell, right? That you know that might mean that stocks have come too far too fast. But historically, looking at these tops, uh, you know, you actually see the opposite. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, we are now recording these podcasts on YouTube, LPL Research, our YouTube channel. And one of the charts that we're showing, uh, if you were looking at this on YouTube now, is just how quickly we recovered. And like you said, Jeff, let's see, it looks like about 30 months on average is how long it takes during a recession, a bear market during a recession, for stocks to recover, about 30 months. This one took less than six months, right? So uh, one of the fastest recoveries we've ever seen, stocks, at least the S&P, up over 50%. But the, um, you know, I guess to take a trip down memory lane, because, you know, if you think about it, a V shape kind of is what we're getting in the stock market. That first half of that V was just unbelievably scary. And I know it feels like a lifetime ago back in March, I, I think. But at the same time, it took 16 days for the S&P 500 to go from an all-time high to down 20%. I'm not sure the exact number from 30%, but that was the fastest 20% correction ever. We had the fastest 30% correction ever from an all-time high just back in March. And maybe it's not as surprising the fact that, you know, on the way, the fastest on the way down, now it's pretty much the fastest on the way back up. But Jeff, the one thing I think that matters the most for what, what's it mean, right? Well, the average year gains about 9%, give or take, okay? If you just pick a, any random time a year later, S&P's up about 9%. After all, not, uh, all the all-time highs in the S&P, and it's been, I think, like 1,100 approximately since, uh, since 1954 when the S&P broke out the new all-time highs after not making any since 1929. Stocks are up a year later about 8.3%. So about average is what we'd say. But here's the kicker, and here's what matters. When you don't make an all-time high for at least five months, like we just did, 
Sure enough, three months later, six months later, one year later, the returns get stronger. A year later, up about 11.4% on average. So a lot of numbers I just said there, I'm fully aware. And we did talk about this last week on our blog, lplresearch.com. But the reality is when you go a while without making new highs, and then you make them, you tend to see continued strength and um, outperformance. I mean, Jeff, you know, maybe another minute or two on this new highs concept because it's important. You know, earnings season just wrapped up. I mean, I look at earnings season, they were it was bad, but boy, oh boy, it was way better than expected. Maybe again, it's not a shock. We're back at new highs when you look at what kind of the Ford guidance companies gave, right? You want to talk a little about that? Sure, Ryan. Yeah, estimates usually fall as earnings are being reported. Companies lower the bar so they can uh, clear that lower bar later. And, and we, we saw the opposite. We saw estimates rise about a percent and a half, which doesn't sound like much, but it's significant when you typically see cuts of several percentage points a quarter. So that's a really strong signal. It suggests that earnings estimates were cut too far. Uh, certainly for uh, Q2, they were cut by too much, but also uh, potentially for the second half as well. And uh, you know, to justify these higher stock prices, you need that earnings recovery to come through. So with the help of a vaccine, which is clearly being priced into the markets to some extent uh, right now, uh, looks like the market is expecting a really strong rebound in earnings over the next couple of years. Well, yeah, there's no no question there. You mentioned the vaccine. I mean, it feels like every day we're getting more positive news on different companies that are moving their their drugs and their vaccines further into the process of phase one, phase two, phase two dash three. Um, you know, it just it, it does feel like there's something potentially going to happen before the election. I mean, it is an election year, right? Last <laughs> I checked, I know October 22nd is a big date with the FDA where they're going to take a look at some of those um, vaccines that are close, and there's there's probably some pressure there to get a vaccine obviously uh, past the finish line, if you will, before November 3rd. So Jeff, let's maybe move on to the next subject that we want to talk about, and that is the election, but more specifically on the Democratic side of things. Uh, but before I go there, I do want to mention one other stat that I, I had written down. I should have mentioned this. So the S&P is up four weeks in a row, right? Pretty good. I mean, that's the longest win weekly win streak we've had this year. It had a five-week win streak at the end of last year. But I took a look at what happens next after four-week win streaks. Four weeks later, the S&P has been higher 12 of the last 13 times. It's going back to uh, 2015. So pretty, uh, pretty powerful, I think, you know, just the idea that momentum sometimes begets momentum. And Jeff, one other thing that just reminded me of this, I wanted to ask you about this one before we, we were going to talk Democratic, um, you know, convention and, and stocks economy in a second. Five years, no, no, it was four years, five years, yeah, five years ago today, do you remember what happened or where you were? I hope I'm not putting on the spot, but do you remember what happened five years ago today on August, what is today, August 24th of 2015? Well, I'm going to guess there was uh, some volatility in the markets, but yeah. uh, no, I, other than working for LPL Research, I do not remember where it was. Yeah, so I guess <laughs> I do a little more. So it was the first day the Dow was ever down 1,000 points. Now, it didn't close down 1,000 points, and I get it. On a percentage basis, 1,000 points, you know, 25, 30 years ago is a bigger deal. But still, when you see that headline Dow down 1,000 points, we had the Chinese currency issues and China concerns uh, way back then in 2015. And people said, you know, what about the flash crash? Well, the flash crash actually, which I forget the exact I think it was May 6th. I know it was May of 2010. S&P, I'm sorry, the Dow at the lows was down 998. So it didn't quite get to 1,000. But the first time we were down 1,000 points was August 24th, 2015. I remember it because I was unemployed. 
I was having major back issues. I remember I go to this doctor, a back doctor. I, I eventually had surgery with the guy and it really helped. But I just remember like literally almost crawling from my car to the, um, to his office. And again, I'm unemployed. My back's killing me. I'm looking at my phone. Market's getting destroyed. I was like, man, this is, this is bad. <laughs> at least for me, this is, this is a rough situation. But sure enough, five years later, you yeah, have a lot of fun working with you every week and loving my job with LPL. And my back is, uh, is hanging in there. Thank God we've got standing desks at LPL because I literally stand all day. Or when I work at home, I lay down all day. I do not like sitting in a chair. And when you have back issues, that is how you go. So, Jeff, that's enough about that. But everybody, um, you know, five years ago today was a, was a scary day for markets. The weekly market commentary, we took a look at uh, Barry Gilbert really on our team put it together. And Barry's just, <laughs> we were talking before we started recording this. Barry's awesome. We titled it Election Preview Part 1, A Biden Presidency, Upside and Risks. Jeff, I'm going to turn it over to you for a few minutes to get a drink of water. Tell us a little bit about what Barry saw and what we see as a department at LPL Research on the Democratic side of things, whether they win or lose, and what it can mean for the economy and stocks. Yeah, election getting a lot of attention with the conventions last week, this week. So um, we thought it was a really good time to write about this uh, really detailed report uh, from, from Barry. Uh, the, the biggest issue, I think, you know, if you do get a Biden win and we assume um, this is not a forecast, not a prediction, but if we assume a, a democratic sweep, which is what you would need to have uh, to get tax increases, right? We could see the corporate tax rate go up from 21 to 28. We could see higher dividend and capital gains taxes above a certain income threshold. Uh, and we could see higher income tax rates, uh, again, for uh, upper income brackets. Um, I think um, Biden threw out $400,000 and up yep. for those increases. And certainly a lot of our clients would fit into that. So this is understandably the, um, you know, a big concern for investors, a risk if uh, Biden does uh, win the election and the uh, Dems take the Senate. We, we would argue that, I mean, the Senate is probably a coin flip at this point and the presidential election is probably closer than people think. Um, you know, based on how we read the Electoral College at this point and, and, and the polling and the other factors that drive elections, that drive uh, voters. So, I mean, with, we won't maybe go into a list of, you know, pros and cons for, uh, you know, for Biden versus Trump, but just, you know, this week we looked at the, the scenario of a Biden win. Next week, we'll look at the scenario of a Trump win. And we're just highlighting uh, some of the policy differences. And you see here, um, this chart, um, with help from our partners at Strategist Research Partners, Strategist created a basket of essentially Biden-friendly stocks and a basket of Trump-friendly stocks. So in other words, you know, stocks that would tend to benefit from Democratic leadership and stocks that would tend to benefit from Republican leadership. And uh, then you take the relative performance of the two, and that's what this chart shows. Um, Biden stocks in the numerator Trump stocks in the denominator. And you see here um, over the last uh, several months, uh, the Biden portfolio has been performing better. Certainly there's a company that we've all heard of in there, probably helping a bit called Tesla. Uh, certainly green energy is a big uh, piece of the Biden plan. So certainly alternative energy stocks are helping. But uh, so this is sending a signal that, you know, it could be wrong, but it's sending a signal that, um, that, uh, you know, Biden's odds have increased uh, in, in recent months. Now, there's a long way to go. 
And this is, you know, stocks are driven by other factors besides the election, but this is saying, uh, the performance of these stocks saying that um, Biden at this point is a slight uh, favorite. So with, with taxes, uh, the biggest focus, I think, a couple other areas to point out, um, infrastructure is probably more likely to happen under Democratic leadership. I mean, certainly we know that the Republicans had uh, their sweep a few years ago and, and didn't get infrastructure done. Certainly it wasn't done on a bipartisan basis. We would say the odds would be highest of an infrastructure package if you get uh, a Democratic sweep, but there's the potential uh, for that to be done in uh, a divided Congress, uh, depending on uh, who's in the White House. We'll just have to see. Um, there's also a number of regulatory issues. Now, uh, maybe I should have started with this. The typical in investor tends to overweight the impact of politics on the market. In fact, you know, if you go back uh, to when Trump was elected, elected people were excited about what that might mean for financials and energy, right? And those have been two of the worst sectors in the entire market during that period, right? There are many, many other factors, really economic factors dominate political factors. So um, probably should throw that out there before I go any further. The election is a factor, policy is a factor, but it's just not as big as, as um, uh, most people think. The, the other, um, so, you know, let's talk financials and healthcare. Financials um, is um, certainly on the margin getting some benefit from deregulation, and that would be a risk in a democratic sweep that regulations would be tightened on financial services companies. So that'll be something to watch. And Elizabeth Warren could have a role of some kind, and certainly she is a proponent of tougher regulations on financial services. So that's something to watch. And then, um, uh, healthcare, it might be a wash uh, under Biden. We're not going to get Medicare for all, even if you get a, uh, a Democratic sweep. Uh, we might get an expanded Affordable Care Act, more coverage, would all else equal mean, uh, you know, more revenues for the healthcare sector, potentially strong uh, performance for the hospitals and areas like that that benefit from volumes. Uh, of uh, folks in the healthcare system. So, um, you know, everybody wants to cut drug prices on both sides of the aisle. So maybe it doesn't matter who wins in November for that particular piece. Uh, but don't get too caught up on uh, the uh, Medicare for all risk for uh, managed care companies. It, we can't see a scenario where, uh, uh, where that happens. So those are two sectors I think be important to watch. Um, and then, you know, the infrastructure and the taxes, I think, are really going to be uh, of the, uh, you know, getting the most attention uh, come November for investors. Yeah, good stuff there, Jeff. Yeah, please check out our weekly market commentary for more color on what we just talked about. And then also you can see that chart um, that Jeff was discussing that kind of takes a look at the Biden portfolio versus the President Trump portfolio. You did mention Tesla. I mean, Apple. So this is kind of a part two of our next we better, we better move on, Jeff. We're getting toward the end of the road here. Um, you know, potential concerns. I mean, Apple just hit $2 trillion market cap. So I'm not saying that's a broad concern by itself, but that feels, uh, feels a little frothy, I guess, in the near term. That $2 trillion market cap is actually a GDP bigger than Italy, Brazil, Canada, Russia, South Korea, Spain, Mexico, Norway, and Argentina. Now, that's not all combined, but on an individual basis, that is how big Apple has become. Truly, truly amazing. Um, 
And I'll do a very quick Volvo update, Jeff. Then we're going to talk about what scares us for a couple minutes. So my car was in the shop for seven weeks. I brought it home. It rained. There was a leak. The whole reason it was there to get fixed in the beginning was a leak. Insurance got involved back and forth. Just, just, just rough stuff. Anyway, so I get the car home and it leaks. I call them up. They, they take it back. 19 days go by. 19 days after they had my car. I said, I'm not asking them anything because they gave me a 2020 loaner. So I was in no hurry. But after 19 days of not hearing a word from them, so maybe I'll give them a call. So I call, talk to the head person. She's, she used the word unacceptable like six times. Like, yeah, pretty unacceptable, especially given my car is back because you're supposed to fix it the first time. Anyway, the very next day, apparently my car was fixed, so go figure. So I do have my Volvo back. Had to give that 2020 back, which I really liked. And um, we'll see. It hasn't rained yet, but the big test will be if it rains and if the back of the car leaks again. Oh, and the best part, not the best part, worst part. They fixed like the sunroof and, you know, it rained and there's a ton of water. I'm like, well, was that even an issue? The guy's like, oh, no, I guess not. It was actually the back um, the back window was the issue. So they fixed something they need to fix. But they didn't charge me for the other one because, you know, they probably felt bad. Anyway, so that's uh, that's my Volvo update. And we'll just see. It's been an adventure. But I know a lot of you have enjoyed my, my troubles with Volvo. For some reason, you like when people suffer, apparently. You guys are sick out there listening to this podcast. But that's, that's all right. <laughs> so, Jeff, what scares us besides that Volvo and besides rain? You know, I mean, what, uh, what are some of your near-term concerns? You know, if you are watching the podcast, I'll, I'll go first. We have U.S.-China going back and forth. Now, there's been a little bit of good news on that front. But my take is... Look at the yuan dollar, okay? If the yuan is strengthening versus the dollar, that's usually a risk-on scenario. If it's reversed, like we saw multiple times last year when things got ugly, that was the currencies market's way of saying it's concerned. Currency market, in my opinion, isn't showing much concern right now about the U.S.-China trade concerns or just back and forth. So, uh, you know, it's a worry, yes, but I, I'd be more worried if currency markets are getting there. And then just overall market sentiment, getting geeky, put-to-call ratios are low, market skews are warning signs. Gamma is showing some major warning signs. I know it's very geeky, but showing some levels of complacency in the options market. We, we've seen, you know, in early 2018, um, earlier this year, uh, September of uh, 18, some other, some, some times before some trouble came. Jeff, what are, so that's my worry is maybe people are getting a little too excited after a 50-something percent rally, which makes sense. Uh, Jeff, what are some of the things you're watching? I guess we've only got about two or three minutes that worry you right here and now. Yeah, I'll, I'll just go straight to the virus. I mean, that is really the key driver of whether the economy and earnings can grow into these stock valuations, right? Uh, as kids go back to school, we learned today that that can break Zoom. Um, yes. But there are many more serious risks uh, to kids going back to school than that, of course. Um, uh, so we certainly uh, hope that everybody stays healthy and that we can uh, transition back to school uh, safely, but of course, another flare-up could potentially lead to uh, more restrictions, slow the economic trajectory, uh, and um, you know, while we wait for the vaccine. So that's that's number one, probably number one, two, and three uh, risks. Frankly, I guess the other thing, you know, you mentioned some of the stats with Apple hitting two trillion. I, I heard another one that's really um, amazing: the the Fang stocks. So those five stocks, FAA, NG have a higher market cap than all of Europe. I mean, that's really hard to believe. 
Wow. And that's not even including Microsoft then, right? Because that's the M in there. If you throw that in, that is just, uh, that's amazing. Wow. That's amazing. So not necessarily by itself a warning sign, because again, those are the areas that have clearly benefited by the environment that we're in. When you put it all together, maybe there are some, some near-term little little worries, some signs, but hey, it's been a been a great run. So Jeff, any final comments um, for this week or what are you watching this week? I know we got the Fed on Thursday. Is that kind of the headline you think this week? Yeah, um, I think uh, the Jackson Hole Conference is going to be interesting because this is where we might get our first look at this new monetary policy framework that uh, Chair Powell has been thinking about. Apparently, um, we expect some information about that next month, uh, but maybe we'll get a little bit of a preview uh, this week. Otherwise, it's a pretty slow week of data. We'll get more housing data, um, and certainly that's been one of the strongest areas of the market here uh, in yeah, no, good stuff there. Like you said, it is it is a quiet week. I mean, the Fed. I mean, I guess put your cowboy hats on to celebrate Jackson Hole, but you know, nonetheless, I think it's going to be a relatively quiet week on the earnings front and the economic front. So, with that, uh, Jeff, thanks for joining. As always, thank you for everyone being here once again for this week's latest edition of the LPL Market Signals Podcast. We'll be back next week to. Um, well, hopefully give no update on a Volvo. Hopefully, it, how about this? If it does rain, I'll give you the update, a happy update. We'll just have to wait and see, though. So, everybody, thanks again. Have a great week. We'll be back next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through Opel Financial, a registered investment advisor, and broker-dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, Please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker-dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.